0: So our family in Texas was really all mine. You gave up a lot of time with your family when we moved. Yeah,
1: it was really hard. I don't know. I felt like for as close to my family as I was, it was also really sounded like an exciting adventure. And I was looking forward to the warm weather and you, your sisters were lovely. You had a a niece that was close in age to me. I was just really excited about this next stage uh, in our lives.
0: Welcome back to Finding Gina Marie. This is episode three, and this is our podcast about finding family and our journey to discover a new home in Europe. If you're listening to this podcast, we also have a YouTube channel that you can find out more about at FindingGinaMarie.com. I'm Kevin.
1: And I'm Judy. We were so focused on getting a house in Houston. We were tired of living in a place where we didn't get to...
0: We didn't have any privacy. We we shared a wall. Literally, the house was split in half vertically. So we shared a whole wall upstairs and down with our landlady. And we just wanted some privacy. We, We had a very short list of things that we required in a home.
1: And I feel... Very naive and um, silly about those priorities. It was a backyard because we had a dog and we wanted a fireplace because we were always cold and we needed a garage to protect our car. But of course, we didn't really know anything about Houston and those things were in every home. You could get that anywhere. That
0: doesn't mean it was easy to find a home in Houston because we were young, we didn't have any money. We moved down there on a shoestring of just barely getting by, and you had just got a new job in Houston. That's not a lot of equity to spin into. Let's pick a home we like.
1: Well, right. I think we were concerned about whether we would qualify for a mortgage because we had Brand new jobs. And really, none of this would have even been possible had your mother not been able to give us a loan, which came from the proceeds of your father's life insurance policy. I think that was very sad, but it was also a great opportunity for us that we wouldn't have had otherwise.
0: In hindsight, looking back on things, you can see that every negative event or everything we thought was just the worst ever at the time turned into an opportunity to do something different or something that really turned out to be wonderful in our lives. The breadcrumbs are really obvious. Looking back now, and they were not that obvious at the time. They never are. I mean, we just don't have that kind of ability.
1: The negative things had something positive that could come out of it, even if it wasn't a fair
0: offset. Right. One of the positives that came out of moving to Houston was your job was really good compared to the one in Buffalo. It had a better paycheck. It was a bigger company, so you had more opportunities for growth. That was a really good positive. I went down there, and I just got a sales job. The positive about working in that store, selling a lot of Macs and Apple products, was I was a big Apple fan, and they sent me to training at a local office that was an Apple office in Houston. And for my Apple geeks out there, fellow nerds, it was the launch of Microsoft Excel. It was just coming out. So I was really excited to do this. New thing with with Apple. In fact, I enjoyed the training so much, I actually asked my trainer if there were any openings uh, in Houston for jobs with Apple. And he said, you have to go to Cupertino for that. We had just moved Two months earlier, we barely had got ourselves set up. We just bought a home. And
1: in hindsight, if I'd known that that was an opportunity, I might actually have been open to it. I
0: wanted to work at Apple. That was just a dream. But there was a little imposter syndrome. I mean, when we left Buffalo, I had some anxiety about the work I hadn't finished up there. So I felt bad about my skills. And also... I mean, we had found a safe zone. There was my family around, two sisters, a cousin. We just had this group around us and their friends, and they were very welcoming. We had a community. Right. You know, so right away, it's like, all right, you're going to risk this on a long shot that I could get a job at Apple and Cupertino. I didn't even talk to you about it. I just, I immediately wiped it out of my brain and blamed it all on the family stuff. But there was that imposter syndrome in there too.
1: Sure. And I, feel like it's an adventure that I wish we had. But when I was living it, I don't know if I would have been as open-minded to it as I am today based on how our lives have continued to unfold.
0: Yeah, we can't look back on Houston and would we have moved to California after we moved to California many years later, looking back at Houston. (laughs) Can't do those kind of things. It doesn't work that way. Exactly. Yeah, the area of Houston we were living in. Did separate us from downtown. You you worked middle of downtown Houston as direct as you could. I worked on the outer loop of Houston, but still we had one car. So we commuted together and I dropped you off and then went to my job, came back, picked you up. And that took two plus hours out of every day at least more than that some days. So we didn't have a lot of extra time during the week to do anything. We were pretty much at home trying to do stuff to our house, right?
1: Right. I remember just house projects and, you know, wallpaper and paint and trying to do things that would make it feel
0: more ours. Do you remember why wallpaper was a bad idea? Okay, this was, this was 85, right? 1985 and wallpaper was still in vogue, but our walls, Texas wanted to make all the walls rough. So to put her wallpaper up, I had to sand down all the walls. So whole projects weren't fun for me. (laughs)
1: I stood by and watched. So, I mean, I did help put you the wallpaper on, but help. I definitely didn't do any sanding.
0: So so the home projects, yeah, they were time consuming and, and we really wanted to make a home.
1: Right. And yeah. that great yard we had was very large and it had to be mowed every week and yeah. you had allergies. So it was hard for you sometimes. And we had a dog, so that required cleanup. And so basically our weekends were spent with a lot of home responsibilities. So even though we were living in maybe a cool city, we didn't eat out at a lot of restaurants or do a whole lot of um, exploring downtown. I feel like for as much back and forth as we had to make in commuting, we had no desire to go and make an extra trip on the weekends.
0: I mean, we still weren't rolling in money. No. Three months into... The time we were there, the company I worked for went bankrupt.
1: But that led to another opportunity that you just fell into. And right. so... More, well,
0: more breadcrumbs. The last day I worked there, met with a person that would become my business partner soon after that. But well, we did make it downtown to Houston once in a while. We, we did figure out that it's fun to go to plays at the Alley Theater.
1: Yes, we did get a season pass to Alley Theater, which was very close to my office, in fact. Yeah. And we went several times a year. I feel like it was... Important for us to have culture in our lives. Living in a city that had
0: museums and plays, a theater district.
1: We definitely both had a passion for plays and an interest in museums. And
0: it did spark a lot of, this would be fun to do. Maybe we should have moved down here instead of being 40 miles north of Exactly, the city. yes. We didn't have a lot of money to do these kind of events, but we did save up for them and we did make it a priority because it really made us happy to explore our home in Houston.
1: Right. But about three years after we were living there, I got a call from my mother to let me know that she had found breast cancer. That turned my world upside down. I felt very guilty that we weren't closer to be able to help her more. And in my family, cancer was, was still the big C word. There was a lot of terror tied into all of that. My mother had a hard time with it, but she actually didn't realize how much power and courage and strength she had. She did a dynamite job of working through it and just taking control and trusting that everything would be okay. And it also gave my father an opportunity to step up. He was conventional for the time where he was the primary breadwinner. My mother stayed at home, so he had to learn how to cook and do some of the cleaning because she wasn't able to do some of that. I think it was good for their marriage and it was good for my father as well to learn how to do those things.
0: And you were still staying in close contact with your family. I mean, you were on the phone with her all the time, right?
1: right? I talked to her nearly every day.
0: I remember that being hard for you, not to be there for your mom when she was going through that chemotherapy and whatever other struggle she had with the cancer I, that was eating you up. It was hard.
1: I didn't really worry about my own health because I was adopted. Maybe I should have a little bit more, but there was this out of sight, out of mind. I considered myself a blank slate. Since I didn't know what my genetics were, I didn't worry about the baggage of potentially having all kinds of problems. So in my mind, I thought, well, I don't have to worry about breast cancer because i I'm not genetically related.
0: It was was a flawed logic of not getting cancer from this family line. So I'm good.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And it's certainly a short-sighted way of thinking and I don't recommend it, (laughs) but at the same time it gave me some peace. So for whatever reason, I think that served me at the time.
0: Yeah. That made perfect sense.
1: Which also meant that wasn't necessarily conscious of whether it would impact my children at this point either. Do you want to talk about our five-year plan?
0: (laughs) We didn't have children at the time. And there was this agreement when we got married that we'd wait five years before we started a family. And I think about... Three and a half years into that, her friends started having kids. She started looking at me going, but all my friends are having kids. (laughs) I'm like, but we have a plan. We have a five-year plan. And it kind of stressed me out that you wanted to start early on that.
1: We had some money set aside that we were going to put a deck on our house. Your sister came up and mentioned that her family was going to be going to Hawaii. And did we want to go along with them?
0: Both my brother-in-law still worked for the airlines. They offered, you know, you can use your in-law asses and the two of us talked it over and we're like yeah we're not getting bumped on vacation we don't have (laughs)
1: Hawaii (laughs) yeah we don't have
0: much vacation time we're gonna we'll, we'll scrounge up some money and we'll we won't build the deck in the backyard we'll go ahead and use that money for this trip this
1: was going to be our last hurrah before we had kids and needed to really settle down
0: we could have spent this money on a deck and maybe sat outside more in the Houston heat or we could have experienced all these new things you know growing up in Buffalo taking your trips to Florida, my trips to Canada, we're not all that filled with excitement. And this was a brand new place for us. Kind of sparked that we should do things like this. This is right. This is pretty cool.
1: I feel like it was the germ of the idea that it was better to be putting our money towards experiences and making memories versus stuff. The only thing is, I feel like we planted that seed in very, very deep soil. <laughs> <laughs> so it took us a long time, longer than I wish it would have, yeah. for us to take advantage of that different Mindset than right. what we've always had. This was
0: 1988, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes,
1: and we managed to give birth to our son. Well, you give did birth all the hard to. Work. Yes, I did. And and then also have another child. Right. And then two weeks after he was born, which was two years after the first one, we moved into a bigger house that we had built for ourselves. Again, choosing stuff over experiences. But
0: well, we justified it with, we need room for these kids. The street we are on was the main street. Right. We were thinking, you know, we don't want our kids on a main street playing outside. It'd be better if we were in a in a nicer place. We happen to see a during a showcase of homes thing they used to have every year a place we could almost afford. Right, you'll work the spreadsheet just right our paychecks kind of covered it.
1: It met a lot of our criteria, which had grown since our first home. More than a fireplace. Right. Yes. And the realtor had told us that you'll only live in a home for five years and then you'll want to turn it, turn around and buy something bigger and better anyway. But that really wasn't true. We lived in each of our homes for much more than five years. And I also feel like Nobody talks to you about the work it is to get your house ready to sell and worrying about whether or not you can get what you paid for it. And we took a loss on our first home. We made the decision to do it, but it wasn't maybe the most fiscally responsible choice we could have made. But we didn't know
0: when things would get better. You're in the moment.
1: You can't just pick up and go on a whim and decide you want to live somewhere else unless the market is ever in your favor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's not us. It's not our experience. (laughs) Let's backtrack a little bit because there was that point where your mother had more health problems. This kind of led into a really important inflection point where finding Gina Marie was more central to our life. Right.
1: My parents had decided to move to Florida.
0: They owned the convenience store in Buffalo, right? Yes. Okay.
1: And they were moving to Florida and retiring because my mother's health problems had gotten to a point where they couldn't really run the store anymore. And so we took a trip to Florida with, our two sons, and I was pregnant with my daughter at the time, Mm -hmm. and we visited the area that they were moving to. And it was a very lovely trip. It was important that we got to share that time together with my parents and that our kids got to experience something like that.
0: And I felt like you got to show me the vacation areas. Sure, that's right. That you experienced all those years when I saw you go off to Florida and then come back 15 shades darker. The sharing of that was kind of a connection to your family history.
1: Sure. I forgot about that. But it was. It was a a ton of fun to be able to share those special places that were all part of my growing up years. And and also even with my sons, you know, giving them the opportunity. They were still very little, but it was nice. And that was in maybe March of 1993, right before Megan was born. So the following year, that was 1994, my parents were supposed to visit for Christmas. I don't know, maybe in... Late November, my mother called to say that her health had not been doing very well and she wa- they weren't able to, to travel. My mother had emphysema in addition to the fact that after nearly being in full remission from her breast cancer, she had cancer in her bones and in her lungs. And we knew things weren't really looking very good for her. So I talked to her doctor we kind of had made the decision that she probably needed to go into hospice. I don't know. My gut was just telling me, do not wait until January. Because we had talked about, oh, well, after the holidays, we'll go and visit. And it it just didn't feel right. It was one of those years, and probably the only year, where my shopping was done, and my presents were wrapped, my Christmas cards were sent. There really wasn't the normal hubbub of... Christmas to dos yeah. weighing on us, and your sisters were just very lovely and generous, and they offered to watch the kids while I decided to go to Florida and be with my parents. Right,
0: because I still had to work during the day. So right, they, yes, they took the kids there, and then again in hindsight, that was just amazing that you had that opportunity at that time to go because normally you wouldn't have gone alone.
1: Exactly, it was. A bittersweet experience. My mother and I had a chance to kind of talk through things and she let me know some of her fears. And I don't know, it was just like a very precious time for us to spend together. We were talking about preparing her to go into hospice. So things just really took a hard left turn when we were taking her to the doctors and she started to fade. She ended up dying on the way to the hospital. I was just so incredibly grateful to have been with her because I was riding in the ambulance as well and my father was following behind. So I knew what was happening and I was able to get to the hospital and be the person who told my father that my mother had passed. And really just to help him cope dealing with the love of his life. And they had been married since they were teenagers. My mother was 17 when she got married and she died when she was 56 years old. Way too young
0: to have passed away. Younger than my dad at, at 60. You being there for him, the universe just came together right for that moment. Right.
1: One of my most special memories is us being in Florida when I was a kid. We had double beds at the time in the hotel. And my parents, e- each of them were on a different bed. And they were holding hands across the aisle. I don't know. It was just such a sweet memory of the two of them. You know, you have young kids and in the middle of it, you're just taking a moment to love each other. Right. Because my mother was not typically very demonstrative in public. Her attitude no. was, if this is what you do in public, what do you do in private and yeah, she
0: was not happy when we were dating and there was any kind of hand holding or kissing in public the look it's like-
1: <laughs> that was not okay going back to the other stuff i felt like it was just such a privilege and an honor for me to be with her in those last moments and and to be with my father and even though it's this terrible circumstance and it was literally two or three days before Christmas. But I just felt like I had been given a gift to have shared that time together. And what a relief it was to have had that little nudging and then followed it. Because I can't imagine how it would have felt To have regrets i feel like i've lived my life really trying hard not to have regrets
0: you said your gut told you you had to do this it's knowing that that little voice inside you that says say yes do this now those times that we've done that we can look back and say wow that is amazing that we had that opportunity or that that we were there for that moment
1: that really was one of the most critical steps in helping us with finding Jean marie because My father had a metal lockbox with all of their important papers in it. And I was looking through it to understand what the life insurance policy was and just all of the details that were helping him out. Yes, that you have to deal with um, after someone passes away. And I came across a document. I don't even remember what the envelope said because it's been ripped open many years ago. It was clear that it was my adoption papers and it was in a sealed envelope, which indicated that. It had never been open. I don't know if I've alluded to this previously, but my parents definitely didn't want to know anything about who I was or anything about my birth
0: parents. They were happy to tell you early on that you were adopted, but all the details, they were just, they they wanted to be your parents.
1: Right, exactly. And they always were. Yes. So it didn't matter. And. It goes to show how different we are, because I'm a very curious person, how they could have lived that many years without knowing that information.
0: Well, that just shows you're not genetically related, (laughs) because there's no way, no way.
1: My father wasn't very happy that I had come across this document. He said, of course, I, I, I had a feeling you were going to find it.
0: It's not like he didn't want you to know something. He just didn't want to shake things up. Parents were very much, just let things lie. Don't yes. Don't, don't, rock, the don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. So he wasn't trying to stop you from doing something. He just didn't like conflict or problems or anything else.
1: I was raised to be compliant and to like just be under the radar and I am not an under-the-radar kind
0: of person. Less so because you had to deal with me being so out there. I think you I think you were more compliant before... I don't know. Remember no?
1: how I was in high school? I was in charge of everything. Well, that's so... just because
0: just you want to control everything. <laughs> well, that's true.
1: So this thing, this very important part of my life that I really didn't have any control over right. was about to shift. So one of the things that I'll let you know is that even though I saw these adoption records really didn't have the information that I was looking for. It didn't have my birth parents' names on it. And and it was quite confusing because it was from the 1960s. The last name in a couple of different places looked different. Either there was a typo or the typewriter font wasn't clear. So it looked like it could have been a T And it looked like it could have been an F. The name was almost useless to me without that
0: key differentiator. But it did put in your head that, you know, there is something here. Right.
1: Yes. And I remember looking in the phone book and trying to find this last name. But where do you begin? At the time, the internet
0: wasn't a thing. I think we had some Buffalo phone books in Houston, and we were just looking through them. So that was the the big Google search at the time.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I would never have dreamed of calling somebody and said, are you my mommy?
0: (laughs) God, you had some restraint. (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) But it did lead to a few years later, wanting to go further with this.
1: The death of my mother was certainly very impactful in my life. I was thinking about the fact that these three kids of mine who were more precious than life to me and just really feeling a sense of how difficult it had to have been for my birth mother to have released me for adoption. I don't know. I felt like I had lived such a happy life and it was important for me to find my birth mother and let her know that I turned out okay, that we were happy, that I've had a wonderful life and that she made a good decision By releasing me for adoption. And also that I looked at her with tremendous compassion and thought of her as being extremely brave and self-sacrificing. Because I think that it's a really hard thing. I can't imagine how difficult it would have been to have had to release any of our children, regardless of the circumstances.
0: And if there's any guilt in her life because of it, you want to take that away.
1: Exactly. Because I just knew that it was the most loving thing that she could have done for me at the time. I wanted her to know that. And I also wanted to maybe find out a little bit about medical history. It was way down on the list.
0: You have a blood disease that is quiet. It's not causing you any health problems, but... It does affect your life, and our oldest child also inherited that. So the idea was what other things might be there that could affect our kids, and we should really maybe find out about that.
1: Right. I was fine to be in the dark for myself, but when it came to my kids, if something would ever happen, somebody needs a kidney and you need to act fast, having this information – on the front end is a lot easier than trying to find the information on the back
0: end. Right, we did spend a little bit of money.
1: It was a different process than I expected. We hired an agency. I was born in New York State, which has very sealed privacy records for adoption and for birth certificates. I mean, I know that they were protecting both sides, but it also made things a lot more challenging. So we were able to learn that the adoption law firm that we went through was from my uncle. uncle and he had since deceased and the records were destroyed and The hospital records didn't have to be kept for that long. So they weren't a viable solution either. I
0: forgot about all that. There were
1: a lot of dead ends. There were a lot of dead ends. The adoption agency was a nonprofit agency and was no longer operational. But they somehow or other were able to get in touch with one of the caseworkers who didn't remember very much. I was, I think, 39 years old when I explored all of this and so i don't blame somebody who doesn't have the memory to go back that far just even us talking about these things and i lived them very close and
0: personal a lot of this has been so revealing (laughs) exactly (laughs) yes
1: so she remembered some things but then there were also non-identifying pieces of information from them that they were able to share with me.
0: They, they and confirmed your Italian heritage.
1: Confirmed my Italian heritage, gave me some information about my parents' ages and circumstances, hobbies and interests. It had said that my father's father had died from heart issues. And so there was actually some medical information in there that at the time, like I had actually even forgotten about because I was so focused on finding out names. And they weren't able to provide that information. In some respects, I kind of felt like I'd hit a dead end. It gave me some closure in understanding the circumstances, which I kind of already had imagined for myself anyway. So there weren't really surprises there. At the same time, I don't know that it was entirely satisfactory for me. The only recourse at the end of it all was that I could put some information in my file so if either my birth mother or my birth father ever tried to contact me, there was at least information that said I was open to having them and reach can, out to me.
0: I guess it wasn't such a dead end.
1: No, not at all. Honestly, the emotional aspect of it all overcame some of the practical value that I did get from it.
0: Well, this definitely was breadcrumbs to finding Gina Marie. It yes. really was an important part of the process. And I think the other part important part of the process was that we started traveling more. Yes. And we'll get into that in the next episode because we talked enough in this episode and I think we should wrap it up.
1: I agree. If you enjoyed what you're hearing so far, please give us a thumbs up. If you are following us from a podcast player, please leave a review. Give us comments. Let us know what we're doing right, what you want to see more of. Please consider subscribing so that you won't miss any of our episodes. And feel free to hit us up on Twitter.
0: And FindingGinaMarie.com will give you all our contact information. Please uh, contact us through there. And uh, until next time. Until next time. Sorry. <laughs>
1: huh? I had a burp. Just to start over. Okay. Like, fine. just say we did go to some plays, and I'll fill in if I need to.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, it's not it. That's not good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you need to wipe that off your cheek. No, it's good there. It's, it feels my hate. Fire. Yeah.